Morning Sermon Audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Some of you remember over here last week when I talked about how my children, when they were much younger, uh, had a big view of their dad. Uh, basically, they thought that I knew everything and I could do anything. Uh, any of you were here last week? Some of you remember that? How my children, um, then of course much later, uh, grew to realize that really dad doesn't know everything. And he doesn't, and he can't do everything either. And so over time, their view of their father became more and more realistic of what reality actually reflects. But there was a time when they did think that as long as I was there, then anything could go wrong because dad is here to fix it. There was a time when uh, there'd be a thunderstorm outside. We were living in Indonesia, uh, where tropical storms are quite frequent, and you'd have a lot of uh, lightning strikes, oftentimes very near the house, and they would wake up in the middle of the night uh, crying for mommy and daddy. And we would be, of course, quick to be at their bedside, comforting them and trying to explain to them that, you know, lightning is a natural occurrence. Uh, we have on our house these lightning rods that make sure that if the, if the house does get struck, the electricity gets conducted straight into the ground and we're perfectly fine and we're, we're uh, protected and there's no reason to be afraid. Um, and as much explaining as we did to them, it wasn't that, uh, the, the technicalities of lightning strikes that helped calm their fears. What calmed their fears at the time was the presence of either mom or dad. And uh, I asked them once, um, why is it that when mom and dad are here that you're not afraid? And their answer was this, because you're not afraid. And it made me think about how much we sometimes fear. The future, the uncertainties, illnesses, Perhaps you've been through some times of when you've been afraid of something, or some circumstance, or something that was beyond your control, something that you thought you were in danger of. And oftentimes, you would just simply want to, that fear to go away. But I'm convinced that if we understood the reality of who our Heavenly Father was, that we would never have those kinds of fears. That as we grow, not quite like children growing up and understanding the reality of their human father, as we grow spiritually, we realize more and more what God is capable of. And our view of God becomes closer and closer to the reality of who he is, from being a God who perhaps is limited in our own minds of what he can and cannot do, to becoming more and more the, the God who is the God of the impossible. And uh, today, as we look at the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to see that the disciples were also learning along the way of Jesus and who he truly was. From being uh, just a, a man that they followed and they realized that had wise teaching to a man who began to do some miracles that were pretty amazing. And then they discovered that he was actually able to control the wind and the waves. And so all of this time, their view of who this Jesus is was becoming more and more the closer to what he really is, God the Son. And today, as we look in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to see how Jesus was teaching his disciples something else that is amazing about him and about the faith that is required as we trust in him. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. It is another account that perhaps you're very familiar with, but I'm asking you today to read this with new eyes 
in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the water, on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out, down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the, man, when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Can you think of the last time you were sorely afraid? When were you truly terrified? I'm not thinking of like just a movie you were watching, you know, where it's kind of scary, the music gets creepy and you kind of get scared. When were you truly terrified? I have to think back many years. Uh, I had been asked to teach at a men's conference by the International Baptist Church in Paris. And it was a men's conference where I don't know, I think maybe we were 50 to 60 men. And one of the activities during the conference was that we did this treetop climbing adventure experience. Anyone ever seen those? You know, they put on a harness on you, they put two leads on you, they teach you how to, at all times you have to have at least one of those leads connected to those, uh, that web of uh, steel wires that are in between the trees. And you climb in between the trees with these various uh, swings and uh, planks that are hanging and, you know, all these, uh, and you're pretty high up. And I remember uh, very vividly how I came to one of the trees and um, as I stood there, I realized, realized then how high I had suddenly been. And I looked down, and I was suddenly terrified that I was going to somehow fall. And uh, I thought, I'm never going to leave this tree until the tree began to sway. And now I was really afraid. And I started to think in my mind, what, what am I going to do? Am I just, how about I just tell them I can't make it down, and, uh, and then just have someone come and get me down? And I thought, well, this is a men's conference after all, and uh, we'll be, I'll be telling the story later, and it'll be really funny to everyone else, that is, if I had to get rescued from the top of a tree. And so in my mind, I just kept playing that back and thinking, I have to get down somehow. And finally, I just thought to myself, well, look, I have these two leads that I will certainly not get hurt. Even if I slipped off of the tree, I'd be hanging. And then maybe at least it's a little bit more, um, what, uh, it's not as embarrassing that they had to come and catch me because I was just dangling there, right? Um, so the thought did cross my mind, maybe I should just slip and then, it, and then they can come and get me. Uh, but I began to think of the reality, of the truth of the matter, that I was perfectly safe. This harness was not going to let me go. And no matter how slowly I walked down, I would eventually make it down and I was safe. And that's 
essentially what I had to think all the way through, the reality of the actual situation, not of all the dangers I thought I was in, because I really wasn't in any danger at all, even though I was high up. And uh, that's why people have once uh, defined fear as the false evidence appearing real. Because most of the time that we're fearful, those dangers are presumed. They're not real. And the fact is that our emotion of fear is driven then by our thoughts. So the fear began to leave only as I thought about the reality of my situation, the truth of what it was, not the false evidence that was appearing real. And I believe as we study this passage here today that we'll also discover that when we focus on the reality of who God is, what He is capable of, then any fear gets replaced by faith. There's a relationship between fear and faith when you have a relationship with God. That the greater your faith is, the smaller any fear will be. But if you have small faith, then your fear will be great. So looking at this passage again, Jesus had sent the disciples to the other side of the lake and he had retreated to the mountain. If you remember from last week, Jesus had just fed 5,000 men and then their wives and, other ch and children with five loaves of bread and two fish. He had asked his disciples to do the impossible. Feed this crowd, he said. And, he said, how can, and they said, how can we do that with only these five loaves and two fish? And Jesus multiplied them and they became first-hand eyewitnesses of God's power to provide for the masses. So as they left and they were rowing across the lake, they must have been pondering the significance of what had just happened. So Jesus then dismissed the crowd. He had already healed the sick among them. He had already fed them and their basic needs were taken care of. So now it was time that they returned home. And notice what Jesus does next. After it, he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening had, uh, came, he was there alone. Remember how Jesus had first tried to find solitude earlier when he crossed the sea the first time, but the crowds followed him on foot, so he fed them. Now he sent them away and took his time to pray. His desire and intent was to find solitude for prayer, and that desire and intent is not an isolated incident. If you look at the Gospels, this is Jesus's pattern. In Luke chapter 6 verse 12, Jesus goes away for prayer and spends the whole night in prayer before he selects the 12 disciples. In fact, Luke even says, quote, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Friends, if Jesus, the Son of God, the one who knows all and who can do all, if he needed time of solitude for intimacy with the Father, how can we say that we don't really need it ourselves? He was already one with the Father. He was sent from heaven. He told people the Son doesn't do anything by himself. He only does what he sees his Father doing. Why do we even have to ask what is the Father's will? Because we don't spend enough time with the Father to know what his will is for our lives. And Jesus is giving his disciples here a pattern of removing himself, going into solitude, and spending time in prayer. Too often, we mistake being busy for being effective. We mistake being busy for being someone significant. It sounds important, right, when someone offers us, hey, uh, well, let's play a game. And we say, oh, I can't, I've got too many things to do. Sound really important, don't we? As though we're trying to say, well, it'd be nice if I had time to waste like you do, <laughs> right? 
And if we're needed in so many places at one time, it feels like, yes, the world will grind to a halt if suddenly I can't show up. And if someone asks us, why don't you take a day off? It sounds so productive and effective when we say, well, I don't have time for a day off. Well, I think we're wrong. Sometimes we're just busy doing a lot of ministry, and we think that that's important. But I remind you of Mary and Martha. Remember how Martha was busy while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And Jesus even said that Mary's choice was better. Because Martha was complaining, tell her to help me. You know what? Interestingly enough, more gets accomplished while we're on our knees. Think about how God can do much more in a person's heart than we can when we try to convince them that the, the gospel is true. We use our arguments, we use our illustrations, we use all of the convincing uh, things about the evidence that's there. But think about when we pray, how God can simply change and convince a person's heart about the undeniable reality of his presence. So we tend to overestimate our capabilities and underestimate God's. And God can do more to resolve a person's bitterness than we can. We might spend time saying, I'm sorry, asking forgiveness, sending gifts, and they'll still be bitter in their heart. But God can change a heart, and he can do some things in a person that removes their bitterness. And he can do a lot in and through us when we pray and spend time alone with him, because he can, through that time, change our perspective, change our attitude, our motives, even our zeal and our passion. So let's remember what Jesus did and consider how much of, of the time that I spend being busy am I outside of the time, or am, am I taking away the time that I could be spent, that could be spent spending alone with God. Because our spiritual strength comes when we have solitude with him. Gives us a greater sense of his presence. The more you read your Bible, the more often you're reminded of his promises. The more you spend time with God, the less you feel drained of your strength and power. I cannot think of a single time that I spent time with God and I was actually drained of my strength and energy. If anything, I'm drained by my, by my strength and energy and all the other things that I do, and not when I spend time with the Lord. So let's observe how Jesus spends time with the Lord and find our spiritual strength there. And then notice how Jesus deliberately sent them across the lake to then show, him, to sh then show them what he was capable of doing. So after prayer, while crossing the lake, the disciples were struggling against the strong winds. Bible says that the boat was already a considerable distance. Some estimate maybe th three to four miles, five or six and a half kilometers, and the boat was being tossed by the waves because the strong winds were contrary. And then Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water. It was the fourth watch of the night, sometime between three and six a.m., and when they saw Jesus, the disciples were afraid that what they were seeing was a ghost. And he says to them, take courage, it is I, in other words, I am and then he says, don't be afraid. And I believe that sometimes God does take us through a difficult situation for us to experience that fear and then ultimately allow him to re reveal himself and grow our faith. And you will oftentimes face a difficult circumstance in your life. Remember how the disciples were following their master's instruction to go to the other side. And we will have seasons of sickness when the doctors don't have any hope. We'll have seasons of financial crisis when we're burdened by debt or we're suddenly unemployed. Will that cause fear in your heart? Or seasons when we lose our loved ones 
when they die tragically, or seasons when we sorrow and we have to deal with the memories of a difficult past, or bitterness for the ways that we've been hurt by others. Well, God will reveal to us in those situations if we come to him and ask him to show us his reality of who he is. So we might be afraid of facing death, bankruptcy, losing your close friends. A lot of times, what we're afraid of never will actually happen. It's just our thoughts. It's just our guesses. It's our presuppositions. But I believe that God will use those opportunities to show himself. And he meets us in the middle of those troubles and reassures us of who he is. That alone ought to calm our fears. Maybe he wants to show you how he remains in control of circumstances, despite everything caving in on you. Maybe he wants to show you that he can provide for you, even in the midst of your bankruptcy or the fact that you don't know where your next payment will come from. Or God might reveal to you that he can make a bad situation good, or that he can even heal the deepest hurts. God may want to reveal to you that his plans for the future has your best interest in mind. I love it that Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. There was a time when I had to leave my son in college. Many of you know that situation. And it was, ex it was really great that during that time I went to a worship service where friends of ours had taken us to their church. And one of the songs in that was a song by Phillips, Craig, and Dean where the, the chorus says simply, Hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, the great I am. Who is worthy? None beside thee. God Almighty, the great I am. And it was in that moment of singing when I was thinking of all of the things that could happen to my son and I was thinking, oh, can I really leave him behind? And all of you know the sob story. I'm not going to cry now. Don't worry. But it was especially in that moment when I needed the assurance that my son was going to be okay without me hovering over him the whole time. When I needed the assurance that God was going to take care of him, that song was being sung in the worship service. And I simply needed that reminder, God Almighty, the great I am. And that was the assurance Jesus was giving his disciples. Take courage, it is I, I am. Don't be afraid. So as you are in a difficult situation, then you learn to walk by faith and not by sight. He won't necessarily remove us from that situation. We may want him to remove. I would, it, would, it would have been nice if someone had just come and plucked me out of the trees then. But what, what I needed to do was realize what was actually going to be harmful or not. And the reality of who God is should convince me that nothing can harm me without his permission. He may choose the, to allow the sickness to continue. He may let us remain unemployed for longer than we would prefer. But I believe he wants us to learn something by understanding his presence and his character. And our faith will then grow as we trust him and he proves himself trustworthy. And notice too how Peter, when he realized it was Jesus, he says to Jesus, then if it is you, then tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And because Jesus commanded him, Peter got out of the boat. Isn't that amazing to you? that Peter actually steps out of a boat and the water rises to meet his feet. He would have never experienced walking on water had he decided, well, no one walks on water, so I'm not getting out of the boat. There's only two people ever in the history of the world who have ever walked on water. 
Jesus and Peter. And had Peter decided, it's too much. I don't think I can trust him when he says come. He would have never experienced it. So we know that God can do what seems to be impossible. Are we willing then to step out in faith? Because faith is obeying his instructions even when they don't seem to make sense. When was stepping out of a perfectly good boat making sense? Does it make sense to forgive a debt? To let go of an offense? To turn your other cheek to be struck? Because that's what Jesus requires of us. Does it make sense to give generously or to tithe or to lend freely when your own resources are limited? Does it make any sense? Does it make sense to rest when there's a field to harvest before the storms come? Well, if you're willing to take Jesus at his word, many of these things don't make sense. And our faith will waver when we look at our circumstances instead of God's abilities. As I said earlier, fear and faith have this adverse relationship. The greater your fear is, the smaller your faith is. But the greater your faith is, then the smaller your fear will be. And as Peter looked at the wind and the waves, he became afraid. And because he was afraid, he began to sink. And Jesus says to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But I still can't help thinking that Peter was the only one. Peter could have gotten back into the boat and said, yes, I took three steps. I took three steps on the water. None of the others did. But Jesus said, you have little faith because you began to doubt. Well, the faith of those who met Jesus on the other side, that's the kind of faith we want. It says that when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and then the, the men of that area recognized Jesus. They sent word to the entire surrounding country, and they all brought their sick to Jesus, asking him, can we just touch your garment, the edge of your cloak? Because they knew that they could be healed. That's the kind of faith we need to have exercising that faith in God's abilities because we know that he can do the impossible. Can he find a buyer for the house that you're trying to sell because you suddenly have to move? You're called to a different country. Maybe you're called to missions. Can God truly sell your house in a day's notice? I believe he can. Can he remove any obstacle in your way? I believe he can. Can he heal a terminal illness? Well, we've seen all of the illnesses that have been healed in the scriptures, so certainly... God can do that as well. We can't always know his will. So when you pray and ask for that healing, make sure you say, nevertheless, thy will be done. Because not only can you trust that God is able, you can trust that God is wise. And he can also choose simply not to change the circumstances because there's something else he wants to reveal to you. Well, then notice what happens when the disciples have experienced him. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him. This is what I think the whole point of what God reveals himself to us is about, is that we will then worship him. Jesus had calmed the storm that they had already experienced. Now he had been able to calm their fears, cause the, the wind to die down. And when we encounter the power of God, then the most appropriate response is to worship. Because everything obeys the commands of the Almighty God. And when you experience Him, you too will worship Him. The next time you're in a difficult situation, if it causes fear, I hope you remember this story. And that you'll remember that Jesus wants you to, to, 
realize that you should take courage, that it is he, and we should not be afraid. As David writes in Psalm 27, that the Lord is like a stronghold, meaning a fortress. He is around me to protect me from all of my enemies, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is like a refuge. He is a place of comfort to me when I'm afraid. And the Lord is merciful. He does receive me because he loves me. See, David had that relationship with God where he understood who God really is. What kind of fear do you have? The fear of everything around you or the fear of the Lord who's with you? Because if you want to eliminate all fear, then remember to keep your faith in the Lord Almighty unwavering. Remember how Jesus would withdraw for solitude and find your strength there. Remember how God wants to reveal himself to you through a difficult circumstance to grow your faith. And remember God's awesome power and respond with worship and praise. If, if the presence of me as a parent with my child was enough to cause my child to be no longer fearful of the thunder, then shouldn't the presence of the living God, the most powerful and most good being in all of the universe, if his presence is with me, why would I still be afraid? We're going to close with a song here where um, I love the way that the, the lyricist writes this, because the Lord is the one who goes before me and the one who stands behind me. He is the Lord of hosts or the armies of heaven. He is on our side of the battle. He is the one who reigns forever, and we are his friend. And therefore, no weapon that is formed against me is able to stand. So where is your faith today? Do you know this Jesus who can walk on water and who can even cause you to walk on water if he commanded you to come? Are you willing to step out of the boat and trust him and watch the water meet your feet? Let us pray. Our God in heaven, as we bow before you, we do so in, out of reverence and out of respect because you are the Almighty. You are the God of angel armies, the Lord of hosts. With you, nothing is impossible. Father, we need to just realize your greatness because when we're afraid, it's because we doubt. It's because we're not certain that you truly are good and all-powerful and all-wise, that the circumstances we face could never be something that could turn out to be something good. And yet, Lord, again and again, you show us that you are capable and you are wise. So, Lord, our prayer would be that whatever you ask of us, that we would not fear. Instead, we would believe, we would trust, and experience you in a new way so that we would be in awe of you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.